podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a go and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemann. De Bruyne. Oh. And it's Wood. Oh, Martinelli. Gorgeous. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. And Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Kiriwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinker. It's game week 20, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of a tad predictable transfer window has started teams need to start getting busy and you know what if teams are going to get busy a tad predictable is going to get busy because i've heard a rumor and i needed to now bring on executive producer guy drinkle to sort of confirm this rumor that i've been hearing uh, around the offices recently first and foremost guy welcome back onto the show we are spending more money than Liverpool. That's all we're doing. In, in needed areas as well. Um, Incredible stuff. Yeah, yes. probably more than most of the Premier League at the moment. I think Except Chelsea. Chelsea. Except Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea are the, are the ones that we need to catch up on. But I've heard a rumour that we may have signed someone, Guy. Is that true? Uh, maybe, maybe. We don't. Don't, don't kiss and tell her yet. Uh, you have to wait for Jim White confirmation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. We'll wait for Sky News to announce it. But yeah, it, that is pretty cool. Um, hopefully she, and it's a she, hopefully she will be on the show soon enough. But um, as, as one of our new guests that we've been able to sign, um, which is always exciting, especially during a transfer window. Not Guy, do you expect any teams to sort of match our ambition and, and, and make signings? I mean, you've mentioned... Chelsea there in terms of making signings, uh, Leeds have made signing, um, Nottingham Forest maybe are the one of the teams where people are looking at are they going to go again. Arsenal look like they've got one in particular that's getting close. Do, do you see the league being busy this uh, this winter window? You'd think so because there's a lot of big teams struggling. You'd say I think Liverpool, they've already got Gakpo, which I think everyone's happy with. but midfield please I'm on my knees <laughs> midfielder please um united maybe not because well they seemingly spent all their money in the summer um tottenham could do with anything exciting <laughs> but i think it is chelsea they're just going to go wild maybe newcastle might be the most sensible because they're well ahead of schedule aren't they in terms of where their ownership in the club probably thought they'd be um, so maybe they could. What, what do you think? Do you think Newcastle should sit on what they've got and maybe save and go big in the summer and see if they're in the Champions League, or should they go big now, get the Champions League, and then you've got infinite money anyway? So who cares? I think I think you mentioned the point that there's a couple of teams who are struggling at the moment. 
teams that you would probably expect to be higher up the table. I'm looking at the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool specifically, uh, Tottenham there as well. I think Newcastle should go big in this window. They would cut down. I, I think they sort of had maybe a, a four or five year plan. You get Champions League now. You've cut that plan, you know, down by at least two seasons. Yeah. Um, and then there's no stopping you from there. I mean, it's almost like the the rest of the league is trying to hold Newcastle back as long as they can, but it's kind of that inevitable tidal wave. They're that's doing coming. a great job of it. <laughs> <laughs> sort of just lie down and let them do whatever they want at this point in time. But oh, you overcharge um, run done bird a couple mil. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> Yeah, it's not been the greatest last stand from the Premier League, I don't think. But let's move swiftly into the fixtures for this game week. Uh, We've obviously got 12 fixtures in this one because we got some Wednesday or we got a Wednesday and a Thursday fixture. Um, So four teams are going to be playing twice this week. But let's start off with um, Aston Villa versus Leeds. Now, these two teams are probably in in a weird position, if I can say. I mean, Aston Villa, their FA Cup form has been noted. Um, I think it's one win since 15-16 season for them in, in the FA Cup. So I don't know if we can either take too much stock of them going Lover, out in Lover there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to make of that. But, but they drew last time out in the Premier League against Wolves. Um, and then obviously Leeds, they had that 2-2 draw against West Ham in a game where West Ham, I suppose, I think sort of woke up a little bit in that game and, and tried to resurrect something of, of, of a bit of a dead season for them so far. But it's an interesting fixture to start the weekend. I, I, I'm interested in it in that obviously Emre is continuing to to build his identity with Aston Villa and how he wants them to play. And he's coming up against a, a lead side that has shown at times they they are tough to beat, but they're very much beatable. Once you break them down, you can sort of get two or three or maybe even four goals past them. But, but sometimes it's a bit difficult to get that first one. Um, we saw, for example, Newcastle drew with them uh, on New Year's Eve. What do you make of this fixture? Yeah, I think it should be a fun one. I think, Emery's done a re- well. He's done a really good job in the league. To be fair, with the, the cups of the cups, I know Emery's kind of famed for um, doing well in the cups. But this Villa team was edging towards relegation. To be fair, under Gerard, and to have them eleventh, um, really good form. Who who did they lose to? Oh, lost to Liverpool. How did I forget Liverpool's one win? <laughs> good lord, it's that type of year. Um, but they have improved. Um, it's just Le- Le- Leeds, are, Leeds and Southampton are the two teams in the league you just can't predict, can they? Cause you? You mentioned that um, the draw with Newcastle. How, how do Leeds keep a clean sheet? That doesn't happen. But there is parts of this Leeds team I really like, like Rocker and um, uh, Tyler Adams in midfield. I think that's a really strong pairing, probably off the top of my head. Probably the Maybe with maybe with Villas the best in the bottom half of the table. West Ham Suchet can't really run anymore. Wolves maybe they've got all the Portuguese lads. So yeah, it's definitely up there in terms of quality in midfield. Um, it's just inconsistencies at the back and inconsistencies in front of goal. I think the middle bit is fun. I like that midfield. I like the 
usual three lads who play behind. Not it seems to be Rodrigo nowadays, but they brought in that Nonto. Nonto, I'll go with. Yeah. He seems fun. Somerville went on that real random run of scoring, <laughs> uh, even though he seemed like he could play football last time I seen him before this season. Uh, Jack Harrison's fun. Yeah, so I think I like a lot of the Leeds team. It's just both boxes maybe the issue um, there. I, for this game in itself, though, I'd probably make Villa Villa favourites. It may be that I'm not sure how it's transformed into Villa, but we know Emery's home record is his thing. Um and you'd think defensively, if Villa can keep them out, I think they'll be able to nick a goal. But that's probably always been Villa's issue because Watkins is either, well, it seems to be only against Liverpool and Spurs where he's class, but everyone else he misses uh, chances galore. But it, if it clicks up front for Villa, I think they're dangerous to anyone. But Bailey, random, randomness at all. Uh, Watkins, Good everywhere else, just bad in front of goal. Ings can can be good in front of goal, but it's just if they if if think if Villa get a goal, I think they'll win. So I'll go two one Villa in this. Interesting two one Villa, and obviously you mentioned that home record that Emery will be looking to establish. Um, I've in in the in 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 the good spirit of bringing you onto the show, I started with the draw. Um, on my first prediction, uh, we know Fantastic. you are the draws expert on on. On this show, but I've gone two-two because I think both teams are capable of conceding quite a few goals um, this season. I don't think Emirates had enough time to sort of sort that out and make them a bit harder and, and more compact to to, yeah. to break Definitely down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those teams that <laughs> not, probably not Harry Maguire <laughs> from the other day. <laughs> yeah, if, if if that's what they're doing, then I I don't know if they're going to be able to solidify that defense. But uh, let's move on to a team, you know, that is associated with Harry Maguire and has, to some extent, solidified their defence. I, I think they haven't conceded at home uh, since, like, November or something, or they've conceded just one goal since November, is Man United. They will be entertaining Man City in the Manchester derby. Guy, Man United could not be coming into this game in better form than they are now. No, they really couldn't be, um, to be fair. It's it's a strange one because I think... I don't think it's a Ten Hag team yet. I think he is still trying to... He's still in the process of moving on from counter-attacking football to possession-based football to get a bit football to, to football manager there. But it still looks to me the team Ollie had, really. You just get fast lads and get on the break. Maybe he's improved it a bit defensively. Well, he's dropped Maguire, which is a plus. It's just about the systems now. But we know Man United these re- the recent years. Oli had random great results against Man City. Add on that style of play with an actual football manager. I'd probably say there's a good chance they could. Would it even be stealing? Well, it depends on the game itself. But would you see it as stealing a result if they got a draw or a win? It's it's weird, isn't it? But Rashford's in his best form probably since Mourinho. Um, Anthony's not blown the roof off the place yet, but he looks all right. It's big money spent. Um, Garnacho looks fun. Vekost is coming in seemingly, <laughs> which is random. But no, I think he's done a really good job, but he's not really put his own stamp on things yet. Um Man City are the favourites. They've got Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne. 
they're the favourites for every game they play in the Premier League. Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It depends who plays centre-back for United, really, because they've been playing Luke Shaw there. And if you play Luke Shaw against Erling Haaland, it, it's going to be a bloodbath. But at the same time, if you play Harry Maguire against Erling Haaland, it will be a bloodbath. It, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's a weird one. Um, I think this will have loads of goals. In. It's almost a shame this is the early kickoff. I should have done this is the late one. Um, but policing and all that boring jazz... I'm going to go 3-2 Man City. Oh, mm. that would be a very exciting game. No, no defence, just vibes. That's, how, that's, <laughs> just... that's been the title of this show with us about four times. Let's go again. <laughs> no defence, just vibes. Brilliant. Um, yeah, for me, I think United are perfectly situated for this game with their counter-attacking football. Chelsea, I mean, Man City have not been that good in transition defence. And with the amount of changes that they're making in their back four, you, you don't know who's starting. And I'm sure that's to the chagrin of fantasy football players. You never know who's starting in that back four for, for Man City. So I don't know if they're going to be, you know, quite well gelled or gelled enough to deal with the transition football that United's going to be looking to play. I'm going to go with the Man United 2-1 win. And you mentioned, you know, you questioned whether or not that would be an upset. I think considering where Man City are, you know, trailing Arsenal, trying to, you know, come back at Arsenal and, and make it a bit tougher for Arsenal, currently five points behind Arsenal um, at time of recording. I think the pressure is on Man City to get a result in a game like this, considering both teams, them and Arsenal, are, play, are, play, are playing local derbies and need to get a result in them. So... Yeah, I, I would class it as an upset considering all of that. I'm going 2-1 to Man to Man United. Let's move on to Brighton versus Liverpool. I'm going to give my score <laughs> Do first because I, I don't want you to jump the gun here. <laughs> uh, I don't want you to steal my score just in case. Um, I'm, I've gone 3-1 Brighton. I'll be honest, I'm not impressed with Liverpool at the moment. I think playing against a team that's as well-drilled as Brighton, even with the transition and manager, we've seen, you know, Potter leave. But Brighton still have continued to play good football, complete, continue to be disciplined, continue to look like a team that is well drilled. And to me, Liverpool are the opposite of that. Um, they don't seem to have a plan, or at least the plan that they have, the players that they're using aren't able to execute it. Um, whether they're willing to execute it, Klopp says they are willing to execute it, but they're certainly not capable of executing it anymore, in my opinion. I think, obviously, the, the glaring thing is the midfield, which has been an issue for a while. Liverpool have tried kicking the can on that one season after season, and it's finally caught up with them. I just see the runners from midfield from Brighton. I see the goals from midfield from Brighton, and I think this is the perfect game for Brighton. They don't score goals with their strikers. They score goals with everyone in and around their striker. And when you're playing this Liverpool team and the way they've been playing, goals are coming from everywhere on the pitch other than the strikers. So I can see Brighton sending runners in midfield, outrunning Liverpool in this game, outmuscling them in midfield and getting a couple of goals from the likes of Trossard, etc. Uh, running past the likes of Jordan Henderson and Fabinho, who just can't cut it consistently 
in on in a defensive capacity anymore in my opinion i'm i'm um you can you can tell i'm i'm sick of the excuses now from liverpool you still must go <laughs> <laughs> that's what i wanted to rush yeah. in to go first. under my reasoning yeah liverpool are finished um absolute finito um henderson no legs anymore. Well, apart from for England, apparently, for two games where he tried his hardest, but no, come to Liverpool, jog about. Um, the only way Liverpool win this is if a takeover happens within the next day, then they bid <laughs> a lot of money for Moises Casado. That probably still wouldn't be enough because Klopp wouldn't play him. They'd then have to buy Alexis McAllister, then buy the entirety of Brighton and make them forfeit the game. That's how I'm seeing this, because unless Klopp finds a time machine or wacky idea, plays free midfielders, you know. Um, That's ambitious, it, guy. It is. We're only at one at the minute. Um, but it, it, if if... If Liverpool play, whatever the defence, because Van Dijk's injured, it'll be um, Ebu and Matip. If Alisson doesn't pass the ball to the opposing team as well, that probably will. Um, but if he plays Fabinho, Thiago, Keita, they have a chance. But he won't do that. He will play Henderson or Elliot. Then it's a two-man midfield, but Fabinho has to cover the invisible third man. And Fabinho is about as mobile as a corpse at the minute, as you said. It ain't happening. So if he plays a a right midfielder who can carry his own weight, we have a chance. But they will, as you said, they will exploit the space left by Elliot or Henderson. Trent can't do Trent things anymore because the midfield can't do their job. So Trent's got two assists, one, one assist for the season. Gets doubled up on the back post. Oh, lordy, lordy, can't defend. Well, he's meant to have help from the Doyle in front of him, which he's not got since two years ago. Um, maybe we can just blow them away offensively and mow and Darwin click, but we aren't clicking. Them two are clicking, but we can't get them the ball. Um, I'm going on a rant. I don't care. We'll skip over the next games because they're boring. Um, whereas Brighton... They've switched manager, they've switched players. They're a well-oiled machine. They've got Moises Casado, Alexis McAllister. They're both walking to their team. He's making Lalana look good again somehow. Um, they're doing this without arguably their best player in Trossard, who seems to have fallen out of favour or is looking to move. Danny Welbeck's been missing. He's just, ro- he's just rocked up with loads of FM regions in the last, last few games and started scoring with them. So they may not even need to buy a striker. Just look at the academy. Uh, the defence is good. He started playing that Colwell kid. Webster's out injured, so they can even get better in that regard. Lamptey's back, who batted, basically his first season of retired, whoever. I think it was Nico Williams who played <laughs> left-back for us. Uh, the only thing about Brighton I don't like is the goalkeeper, who I think is really overrated. Because, well, he just has an error in him. And I think last time we played Brighton, he did drop kick Luis Diaz, if I remember. Oh, was that two games ago? Anywho, um, yeah, the only thing I don't like about Brighton is the goalkeeper, but he's relatively young, may improve, but he does have an error in him. And him v Darwin Nunes, someone's going to hospital, and it'll probably be Nunes where Liverpool season's going, and then we'll spend our midfield budget on another forward. (laughs) (laughs) 
that would just tie the window, start of the window and end of the window, bringing in two forwards. Fantastic from Liverpool. Um, yeah, so are you going 3-1 as well? Yes, I'll stick with the 3-1. Okay, perfect. Um, let's move on to another team on Merseyside that's not playing well at the moment. It's Everton, and they entertain bottom of the league, Southampton. Guy, these two teams look like they are tied to an anchor in the deep, deep, (laughs) deep waters of the relegation zone. And I'm not sure if they're able to turn them around anytime soon. Obviously, Everton, the obvious choice would be bringing in a new manager. They don't seem to think that they need a new manager. Um, I was speaking to a few Everton fans, uh, I think last week, who basically are in agreement that it's more to do with the board and their lack of support of Frank Lampard than necessarily Frank Lampard himself being an issue, which I thought was quite interesting because I was, I'm, I'm infamous now for, for constantly saying that I think he was one of the worst managers in the league. Um, and even looking at some of the new managers that have come in, um, he's still probably in the relegation zone for me in terms of managers um, that are in the Premier League at the moment. But it seems like a lot of Everton fans are happy with them. So fair play to them. Um, their attentions are more on trying to get the board to back him. And then they come up against Southampton, who would have probably hoped for some kind of new manager bounce when when they got rid of um, Hasenhutl and his now famous waistcoat, which I think that that was the All mistake. Right, if, if if you're going to get rid of Hasenhutl, at least insist that he keeps the waistcoat and, and hands that over to the new manager. I think that could have maybe helped them out. It would have been fitting if they hired Gareth Southgate, wouldn't it? <laughs> it just would have been. That would have been perfect. But hopefully Nathan Jones has a couple of waistcoats lying around. He doesn't, can... doesn't seem like the guy, does he? Nah, he's more tracksuit, isn't he? He is. Oh. He, could mix, he could mix it up. Oh, fair Get enough. Get him a little final and see what happens. <laughs> fair enough. We'll see. We'll see if they can do that. But yeah, for this game, Guy, two struggling teams. Two teams that have been in the Premier League for a couple of seasons now, but are looking like they need to turn things around quickly or are not going to be in the Premier League soon. How does this game go? The one thing that um, at least saves this game for me is that it's at Goodison Park. Because the Everton fans, whether they're, you know, at, at the very least at the beginning of games, they might be upset with the situation surrounding where they are in the league and everything. But you know the Everton fans are going to back the team from, you know, as soon as the whistle blows and then depending on how the game goes, they will tell the team how they feel. If the team's not performing, the boos are going to be out. If the team is giving a spirited performance and they feel the team is in with a chance of getting a result in this game, you know that Everton uh, crowd is going to be really raucous and trying to drag the team over the line here. So at least for me, it's a Goodison Park, so I know it's going to be an interesting atmosphere, whether for the good or the bad of, of Everton. But... What what do we make of this game? Who do you think is the worst manager than Frank Lampard? <laughs> you said relegations. <laughs> I'm guessing Nathan Jones and Gary O'Neill. I'm look I'm looking at the two managers, yeah, that that yeah. have recently gotten jobs uh, at Bournemouth and Southampton. And I'm thinking, mm, I don't know if I would have done that. I don't know if I would have done that. I I think it's unfair on both managers. Obviously, Bournemouth had that resurgence when. 
when he was given the caretaker job. So maybe that was the thinking there. But to be fair, I, Nathan I, Jones, I, Nathan Jones at Luton is a lot better than Frank Lampard at Derby. So yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give him that much. I'll give him that. So what? Nineteenth, <laughs> joint twentieth, nineteenth <laughs> slash joint twentieth. Yeah. He still doesn't impress me. I, I think he keeps falling upwards in his career it as a manager. It, it, he's taken the Roberto Martinez <laughs> lessons. Has, <laughs> yes. Both him, him <laughs> and Gerard. I, I don't understand how people he, he rate him as managers. Pol- he's uh, linked to the Poland job as we speak, by the way. Steven Gerrard? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Matty Cash liked what he had for those <laughs> 18 months or whatever it was. Um, anyway, this game. Um, God, it's going to be dreadful, isn't it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I it's mean, two teams at least fighting for a uh, for a game that they both think they can win, <laughs> right? You I, you I would think. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think they snap their hand off for a point right now. Um, Southampton's a weird one because obviously they've gone through a bit of turmoil recently with with the takeover and stuff, and then they just decided to go pure FM and buy only youngsters. They may have seen that was an error because they bought that Croatian no. Orsic, I think. Um, so maybe a bit more experience and less of your World Cup is always a good thing. Um, and he, he he loves a worldie. I'm sure he scored against is it Arsenal or United in the Europa League a couple of years ago, or maybe last year. Um, or might have been in West Ham last year. Um, but he likes a goal. I saw their linked well, the linked with more Argentinian regions, which is good. As as FM, I know you're an FM player today. Well, it's a gamble. It's, it either, it's either it ready is. or they'll get sent off three games out of five. Um, <laughs> I hope for the latter because it would be amazing. Um, it's a we. I I honestly no idea. You mentioned it's a good as you say. It can get toxic really quickly there, so they need a fast start. But they just I, I don't know. It seems to be a mix. And I agree. The yeah the Everton board ownership structure of the club is a bigger issue than Frank Lampard. But that doesn't mean Frank Lampard is not an issue. They they both have to go hand in hand and go miles away from that club. Because even if they survive this season, they are tiptoeing straight down to relegation. Um whether it's this year, next year, the year after, it will not get better. Um, so yeah, it, it's a strange one. But in terms of this game, before we get on a sidetrack and do a two-hour podcast, <laughs> I'm going to be boring. I'm going to be safe. No, I'm not. Southampton two 0 Oh my word! You just want to watch the world burn. I do. You? Oh my yeah, word! I I know you. I know you like Everton spaces as well to do. <laughs> <laughs> we we need that. We need that copium. <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. Um, look for me. I I keep thinking Everton are going to give spirited performances. I mean, we certainly saw one against Man United in the FA Cup to an extent. Um, and then obviously bar uh, 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 Damari Gray deciding whether or not to clip his toenails away from potentially drawing that game and then taking it to another um, FA Cup replay. I think they're going to perform in this game. They have to. They have no choice. They have to bank Frank Lampard in the in this fixture 
against a team in Southampton who, as I said, bottom of the log, not playing well, can't seem to buy a win at this point in time. I mean, five losses in a row for them. And if you're looking at the score lines in those games, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to back Everton in this one. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Everton win. I think they sneak this one over the line and they send the Goodison Park fans off in a good mood, um, which would be good uh, for them. Let's move on to the team that last beat um Southampton in the Premier League. It's Nottingham Forest. They come up against Leicester City. Leicester, another side who have been weird this season. Uh, three losses on the bounce for them at the moment. They It looked like they were turning their season around, Guy, and, and then they end up losing three games in a row. They um, were the one team that didn't need the World Cup, were they? weren't they? Yeah, they needed to just keep the momentum going. And, and it's been really, really bad for them since they've come back from the World Cup. Uh, but yeah, coming up against the Nottingham Forest side, who have now climbed out of the relegation zone, a draw against Chelsea on New Year's Day, and then obviously that 1-0 win against Southampton on the 4th of January. For me, this game is a must-win for Leicester. There's no excuses for me in this game. I know it's away at Forest and... Some teams have found it tough playing Nottingham Forest. Um, we saw, for example, Spurs in the Carling Cup. We've seen Liverpool lose there. We've seen Crystal Palace lose there 1-0. And obviously, as I said, they got that away 1-0 win against Southampton. So they've shown spirit, Nottingham Forest, and they've shown that they can be tough to beat. Coming up against the Leicester side with those three losses in a row, my head says to, to to back Nottingham Forest to win this game, but I just can't see myself backing them to draw a game, win a game, and then win another game. I think that, that just doesn't go with their form this season. So I'm on that alone. <laughs> it's one of those fixtures that I always look at my fixture list and I say one of them I have to I have to just go with the unlogical thing. Um in terms of form, I'm I'm gonna go with a Leicester win in this one. I think they start to get things right for themselves and and try and get up the table to sort of the positions that they expected to be uh, when the season started. Yeah, so I'm going to go with a a sneaky 2-1 Leicester win in this one. Um, It's not going to be pretty, but it will be effective. I am going to back Forrest. Um, I think think they're finally finding the team out of the 50 people assigned in the summer. Because I think that was the issue in the first half of the season. They literally, it literally was like a video game. They'd just swap t- people willy-nilly trying to find stuff. Obviously, the break um, allowed for a bit of training time because lo- not loads of them went to the World Cup off the top of my head. Um, but he, I think he's seemingly found, at least he's found his midfield and I think he's found his forward line, hasn't he? I think Mangala seems to have been, become more important. I, I quite impressed with when I've seen him. Uh, Froiler, who uh, came in from Atalanta, if I remember correctly, um, seems like a very steady hand. And I think that's just what you need when you get promoted is that. And they've, they've basically found the defence. I mean, it, Serge Aurier, Willy Bolly, I can't remember the other centre-back, is it McKenna or the other one? Um, and um, Lodi at left-back. It, it's better than having Steve Cook in there, who I know if anyone listens to the two-footed, Dave despises. Uh, well, <laughs> despises a player, I should say. It's not a Lovren situation. But, yeah, you've limited what championship players. Like, Willie Bolly never 
pulled up trees at Wolves, but he was somewhat dependable. And I think you're kind of seeing that here at Forest. Um, so I think having dependability rather than um, faults in the team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> rather than having faults in the team is just a good thing. And uh, Iwani is a big man. And um, yeah, and on the flip side, this Leicester are crap. Yeah. Even Liverpool beat them. It was not Liverpool who did the beating, but Liverpool beat them. Um, yeah, there just seem like so much issues. Like I think they have to do. So- I don't. Like, I'm gonna have to do something in January. I have no idea what position. Probably goalkeeper because Danny Ward's not very good. Um, but they have to do something. Um, yeah, Leicester's just a bit of a mess. Like the midfield. Indeed, he's fallen off a cliff. Samari was one foot out the door, then brought back, etc. Um, Tegelman, similar to Ndd, fallen off a cliff, now one foot out the door. The defence is a mess. The goalkeeper's a mess. Vardy's not Vardy anymore. Um, Dak has not really worked out as hoped. Jen Madison is still injured, I presume, because that's probably the biggest question. Uh, If he is still injured, which we presume he is, it's a big, it's a big um, issue. So I'm, I'm going to back. I'm going to go reverse of you. Two one two um, to Forest. Two one to Forest, and I, I like that we're starting to, to sort of um, give opposite scores on this one because yeah, that 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 is good. I don't like yeah, siding yeah, with yeah. you when it comes until, to score predictions, guy. Until yeah. we both agree, this is a two. This is a one all. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> Before we get to that to that next game that you spoke about, let, let's take a quick break and then we'll be back after these messages. And we are back uh, with the game that Guy has teased as a 1-1 draw. Um, if you guys were keeping score in terms of fixture lists, then it is definitely, it's Wolves versus West Ham. Um, it's sort of been a theme of this podcast, Guy, that teams have been very disappointing this season in positions that they wouldn't have been expecting to be in. West Ham come into this game in 17th place in the league off the back of having been in, you know, a position that qualifies you for a European competition. And then Wolves, probably one of those teams that people like to call the dark horses that could cause problems for the teams that were in Europe, you know, that, that previous season. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're in 19th place. Um, Obviously, Lopetegui coming in. They had that 1-1 draw against Aston Villa. It was quite a good game. Um, And then in the FA Cup, they go and draw with Liverpool. Should have won the game against Liverpool, bar bar some dodgy VAR um, call there, in my opinion. So you you went off the bat here. Are you you sticking with that 1-1 draw? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) West Ham don't do goals anymore. I'm just looking for their recent results, man. That's it's not pretty, that is it? <sighs> God. Um, I mean, here's a question because the game's pretty uninteresting. Do you think Moyes will get sacked if they lose this game? Oh, it's getting close, isn't it? It's getting yeah. really, really close. Obviously, with the passing of the owner as well, that may, it's a bit macabre way to look at it, but that may have delayed it a bit, but. Once that's sorted, it might might just be a fresh start for everyone in, in, in a grotesque way. Um, 
No, I think if he loses to this, basically to a relegation can um, compare. Um, yeah, it's. I I think that might be curtains for David. Um, and you can't really you can't really blame him because he got backed in the summer massively, and he we obviously know Moyes is part a lot. Um, has a lot of influence at West Ham in terms of transfers and stuff. Paqueta's not worked out. Skamaka's not worked out, and he seemingly doesn't. He doesn't trust Skamaka yet. Um, I saw he played Kara uh, left back the other day. Like what? <laughs> I don't that, think but... he's figured out yeah. the, the the proper positions for any of the players no. that he brought him in the summer, which is very worrying. Like I think if he if he looked, if all his team was fit, he'd just pick last year's team. Yeah, absolutely. Like Fornals left wing, Bowen right wing, Lanzini or whoever number ten. It it was just a bit odd. Um, yeah, uh, it's a very strange one. But no, I think this will finish a draw. Might not be one all. There might be a bit more drama. But I think these are the two teams that won't get relegated because. West Ham have a, a, a lot better squad than all the teams down here. And I think Wolves do as two, but now they've got a good match. And I like Large, to be fair. I think Large would have kept them up as well. But Lopetegui, he's just injected a bit of fire into them, I think, um, which might be just what they need. And obviously having um, Cunha coming as well will help in the attack. So, yeah, I think both these teams will be fine in a long run, but they will ball River to death on Saturday. So, 1-1. One, 1-1 one. One, one for you. I've gone 2-0 uh, to Wolves in this game. I think Ooh. of the two teams, I think Ooh. Wolves look the better coach team at the moment. Mm. Um, obviously, the performance against Liverpool, that was a, a, a B team, so to speak, that they played against Liverpool's A team. And they looked... I don't know whether it's more to do with Liverpool being dodgy at the moment than Wolves, but I've seen those attacking bursts from Wolves in all of their games that they've played under Lopetegui, and I worry about the confusion that is happening at West Ham at the moment. And I think West Ham are just being caught at a wrong time, playing a Wolves side that seemed to be rejuvenated, seemed to have bought into what the manager is bringing. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm pretty confident about the scoreline guy I, I think Wolves take this one 2-0 and sort of continue their journey up the table like and it. then and then that brings that question into the forefront a bit more um, what do West Ham do with David Moyes and, and their future but let's move on to the game that in the UK will be on Sky Sports as sort of the, the feature game, the evening game on Saturday. It's Brentford versus Bournemouth. But Guy, if you're like myself, and I'm assuming yourself as well, you don't really need to worry about what what channel is showing that that late game or any of the games. We know in the UK you don't get to we don't get to see the three o'clock fixtures. But if you guys link up with our presenting sponsors, obviously this podcast is brought by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. You can check out their services at LibertyShield.com. You guys can save with the coupon code EPL25, and that gets you 25% off of your routers or your software VPN. It's a virtual private network that is a technology which encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You can change your location, avoid geo blocks, government imposed restrictions to access any 
website, which is fantastic. As I said, I use Liberty Shield to watch all of my Premier League games. I've been using it perfectly in December and now January to watch all of my American football games. Um, I can watch NBA. I can watch South African TV on it as well if I, if I want to. It's such a fantastic tool and it eliminates all the hassle of trying to be able to watch your team every week with the 5 billion subscriptions that we were, we are you know asked to sign up for if you're in the UK. And if you're outside the UK, I recommend getting it as well if you want to be able to maybe switch your location on your Netflix account so that you can access some of the catalogs for, let's say, the US or the UK. Um, guys, also go check out the EPL Index shop. You'll find it on Etsy. Use the coupon code EPL10 and that will get you 10% off. All of those people whose Christmas presents got lost in the mail or someone that you forgot to get a present for, get onto Etsy. There's some really cool football stuff from the EPL Index shop that you could send as a present to someone um, or as an apology to someone if you if you miss them out on your Christmas list. But, guys, let's continue with the fixtures. Uh, I mentioned Brentford versus Bournemouth. Now, Brentford, another one of those teams similar to Brighton who are very well coached, very well drilled. And if you come up against them and you're not any of those things, you're going to be in for a really, really long day. And Bournemouth, I watched their, their game against Burnley in the FA Cup. Burnley were toying with them until Burnley sort of gave Bournemouth a goal in that game. But I worry about Bournemouth. Again, a manager who's in the relegation zone of of managers, um, of our manager power rankings. Tad's maybe that's bottom some... five. <laughs> <laughs> Tad's bottom five power rankings of managers. Maybe Sponsored that's one. By that's Steve true. Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Tony Pulis. But Never. Never. Um, but yeah, I, I'm worried about Bournemouth in this game. We've seen with Brentford, no Tony, no problem of late. Uh, how do Bournemouth come into this game and look to rattle this Brentford side that just seems to keep taking over under Frank? By people. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be the way. Um, no, I think it, it, if Brentford uh, are on it, they should win this game. Um, but we have seen at times Brentford, they'll have like long purple patches, but it it does just turn off like a tap at times for for teams like that. Um, so it, it, it's not a it's not a hundred percent a bomb of win, uh, a Brentford win I should say. Um, but it looks like a, a Ivan Tony coming to Premier injuries is seventy five percent ready, and that was on the sixth, so that was a good few days ago now. Um, so he might be all right. They might not need him, as you said, to play really well against Liverpool. I'm not sure. I didn't see Brentford in the cup. Um, and they, I think they bought, I don't think he's a striker, but they bought another forward from Germany, if I remember correctly. So maybe they're prepping for <laughs> Tony's ban, <laughs> uh, which I think every podcast that covers it talks about. Um, you got to make Brentford favourites just from a logical point of view. But if Bournemouth won this, I don't think... Loads of people be surprised, but Brentford is Tony's back. I think you got to be looking at like a three one, a two nil. I will go for two nil. Um, but I, it's not a no hoper for Bournemouth, but they, I think they're probably the ones who need to do quite a lot in um in January and just get some more 
as I mentioned with Forest, dependable Premier League players in because I think that's the team that looks most championshipy, um, in my opinion. Yeah, certainly look like a championship squad. Um, I, I struggle to see how they win this game. I think the physicality of Brentford is just going to take the game away from them. You mentioned something with the purple patches for Brentford, and I wonder if it's maybe a motivation thing. I mean, you've seen them when they play against the big teams. They are the giant killers at the moment. And I know in this podcast, we've dubbed them the gatekeepers. And I think that's turned out quite well in in, in terms of our prediction of how Brentford would shape up this season, where we mentioned that they're the team that will test you to see how where are you in your season? How good are you at the moment? Um, what holes do you have in your squad? Because whatever it is, they're going to expose it. Whatever issues you have, Brentford are going to expose it, and they're really, really good at doing that. Um, so I worry for, for Bournemouth in this game. Uh, I've gone with a bullish 3-0 Brentford win. Um, I apologize to Bournemouth fans, but I, I just <clears> can't see <throat> Brentford letting up at the moment. I think it, they're going to keep this good form going. Yeah, you mentioned uh, motivation for Brentford there. If our predictions are right, uh, I'd guess most people would back Brighton to at least, uh, sorry, at the very worst draw with Liverpool. Mm. They could they could overtake them both if that happens, or they can certainly overtake the loser of that match, Liverpool. Um, so the motivation's there. You can get in. We, we've seen teams before. Burnley got in Europe. Yeah. Why, why can't Brentford get in Europe? That's um, a good shot. Yeah, so the challenge is there. Chelsea are dreadful. They say Liverpool aren't going to do swearing. Um, <laughs> Liverpool are dreadful this season as well. Um, so if you're a Brentford, a Brighton or a Fulham who are currently sat 7th to 9th, take your opportunity. Newcastle took theirs or are taking theirs. Um, yeah, so Brentford's motivation is there. Get in Europe. Announce yourself. Buy all the Danish people you want when you got big European money. <laughs> the whole national team will be bought. It will. it will be a beautiful thing. Uh, let's move on to one of those teams you did mention, Chelsea. They're involved in a London derby this weekend against Crystal Palace. Maybe beginning of the season, this fixture would have been a more tasty one than it's looking on paper right now because Chelsea look in limbo. Uh, Graham Potter under immense pressure, you know, albeit only coming into the job recently, but that's the nature of the beast when you're a manager of Chelsea Football Club. And then Patrick Vieira, has has the honeymoon phase ended at Crystal Palace? Has that steam sort of died down a little bit? I mean, they've got three losses in their last five games. They obviously got the two wins, one against Notting, um, Nottingham Forest and the other against Bournemouth. So not necessarily giant killers in in that sense. Um, I'm worried about Palace, where they're sitting at the moment, and whether or not that spark has gone a little bit, and if Vieira can get that back. Now, with any manager in any club, there are going to be patches where it's not going to be looking good, and that's why you get paid the big bucks, to sort things out, rejuvenate the squad, whether it's bringing people in or trusting the players that you have like Klopp consistently insists on um but yeah I think Vieira's got a bit of a job to do here to sort of get Crystal Palace going again they seem flat at the moment and they're coming up against the Chelsea side who have struggled recently but I think if 
if Palace play the way they've been playing recently, I can see Chelsea coming in there and scoring a couple of goals. Yeah, and they might have signed 25 strikers by the weekend. As a, <laughs> I mean, uh, if Nottingham Forest can do it one window, true. why can't we? It's true. Joe Felix, Marcus Turam, Messi, God, uh, the rest of the lads. No, it, it, I think you're right in both. This is probably the flattest game. It's weird with Palace because I think the end, obviously last season was like a breath of fresh air for them. You're not watching Roy Hodgson football anymore. There was a bit of pizzazz. I think Zaha had his best season for a while. You got Elise and Eze. I think Eze was obviously injured or coming back from injury last year. Whereas this year, they're fine. They're where they should be. But it feels like... I don't know, it just feels often because... I mean, the five points clear of Leicester in the relegation scrappy clump of teams... So I don't think they're in any danger of going down. It just it just feels meh. I don't, mm-hmm. Probably the right word, isn't it? It just feels meh. Maybe I think maybe they just need maybe just need some new exciting players or something like that. I, mean, I, I don't bloody know. I don't, what what could take Palace to the next step? I think the defense is good. Maybe get a right back because Klein and Ward. It's not twenty thirteen anymore, lads. Um, Midfield's fine. Maybe get a forward who can do more goals. Is that probably the key? Because if you've got Eze, Elise, Zaha behind most strikers, I think there's a lot of goals to be had there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? It's. I think they're doing fine. I don't think it's any cause for Vieira to get sacked, but it just feels like they're missing a spark. Chelsea's obviously the more interesting team because I think most people would agree sacking Thomas Tuchel was a mistake but you've he- you've dived headfirst into this mistake you've got to back Graham Potter now or at least stick with him unless unless they literally end up like 18th in this season at some point which would be impressive um <laughs> you got to stick with him and give him a summer and let him try and do Brighton things with Chelsea squad but it's just a mess of a team. Um, it's it's built by so many managers, and now it's being rushed to build everything by some bloke who doesn't know much about football, seemingly. But in terms of the game, I won't get too bogged down on the backroom nature of Chelsea, because, well, that's, that's an hour in itself, seemingly. Um, this game, I think this is a good opportunity for Chelsea. Obviously, you mentioned Palace there. And... Tottenham put four past Palace. Tottenham were calling for their manager to go <laughs> um, before that game. Probably still are, to be fair. Um, but if they sat Conte, that may be funny. That may be the most Spursy thing ever. Um, but Chelsea are dreadful. <laughs> it's such a tough one. I'm going to... Who's scoring goals for Chelsea? Pulisic maybe steps in. No. <laughs> no. Wow. Shut me down. Their front three after this window is probably going to be Joe Felix, Havertz, and Sterling. This isn't La Liga, lads. You need meat. You need meaty men. <laughs> I, I, I saw someone tweet that it's the faux words, yes. um, which I thought was quite brilliant. It just is. Oh, God. It's not going to be. I, Chelsea 2 1. No confidence whatsoever. 
Palace could win that 5 0, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, well, well, Palace will need Zaha at his absolute best in this game. And Zaha usually turns he up. He loves the big these games. games. He <laughs> loves them. <laughs> so it could work out for them. But um, you, you've gone 2 1 to Chelsea, a, a very um, cautious 2 1 to Chelsea in that game. I've I've got one nil Chelsea. I think Chelsea are going to try and bore this game to death and yeah. and sneak it over the line and just the the funk that both teams are in at the moment. They need to shake off really really quickly. But a team that doesn't need any funk shaken off unless you you know are are still reeling over their disappointing result in the FA Cup. Newcastle and beaten since about October time um, in the Premier League, look like they're solidifying their position in fourth place as well. They come up against another team that's flying high this season in Fulham. No one would have expected Fulham at this point in the season to yeah. be in seventh place and comfortably in seventh place. Certainly you with your sack shout with Marco Silva. <laughs> <laughs> off the back of three consecutive victories, uh, one of those against the aforementioned Crystal Palace. They're looking really good. They're looking motivated. They're looking ready to put on another performance. What do you think happens in this game against a very game, I would imagine, Newcastle? I think this could be an exciting game. It's at St. James's Park as well, one of those stadiums that really gets rocking when mm. when asked to to produce an atmosphere. This could be one of the fun games of the of the game week, guy. Yeah, quite possibly. Obviously, it's televised over here as well. Um I'll put the ad back in. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I wouldn't tell you over here so more, more people will be watching it. But Fulham are just fun. Like, Mitrovic is a handful. But if you look beyond that, I mean, just testament to what um, Marco Silva's doing. He's got a pulse out of William. William was retired three years ago. <laughs> when Arsenal signed him, he had already yeah. checked out. And he got rejected by Brazilian teams. He's an old Brazilian. It's where he goes. <laughs> that's his burial ground. Um, no, Silva's probably my manager of the season so far. Eddie Howe and him can share it because they're both doing the best jobs in the Premier League, in my opinion. And is obviously doing fantastic. But you're right. Everyone had Fulham relegated, basically. I think I did my predictions before they actually signed people, which helped. But even still, just over dependent on Mitrovic, who last time was in the Premier League was awful. Always more, I don't know, wasn't misused is probably the right word because Scott Parker and all that jazz. Um, yeah, this should be a fun game. Uh, I mm, the logic Newcastle winning, but Mitrovic, Mitrovic, could again, cause them yeah, Mitrovic pulling off to Shar and if it is Shar playing, I'm not sure if he's fit or anything like that, but pulling off to Shar and Trippier at the right side of defence, I think that's a good. I think that's a good avenue for for goals for him. Um, two all. Two all. I think I think both would be happy with that. Yeah, considering the positions they're in at the moment, yeah. um, I, I think that's a fair. Fair result and makes for an exciting game, as as you mentioned, it's going to be televised here. But um, either side, you mentioned, you know, if 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 Mitrovic decides to go sort of the Trippier side of things, it's probably where he ends up going at the back post against Trippier and try and dominate him there. But I can see him also trying to just run in behind Botman 
and I worry about Buckman's turning circle there. And uh, it's not a very fast Newcastle defense, is it? With Buckman, Shaw, Dan Byrne there, but at least maybe they're hoping physically they'll be able to match Mitrovic. So I'm I'm looking forward to this one. And if we can get a two-two out of that one, as, as you've predicted, I think everybody wins in terms of Newcastle and Fulham would take that result. Uh, and then the neutrals will enjoy the game. For me, I think Newcastle just get back into the groove that they've been in in the Premier League. I think they're very confident in the Premier League and they continue that momentum. I think they they, they sneak this one 2-1. Um, yeah. It, the interesting thing for Newcastle, I guess, for me at the moment is what happens when St. Maximum is fit and isn't playing? Does he start disrupting things? Does he start to... Because he has a big voice. Yeah, it's already rumoured, isn't it? Yeah. He has has a big voice in that locker room. And you're hoping, for Newcastle's sake, that he doesn't sort of start to bring everyone down. There's (laughs) our emergency Darwin replacement. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Okay, let's move on to the North London derby. This game is probably going to be very, very, very good. Spurs versus Arsenal. And I say very good because Spurs have to react. They're not playing well at the moment. They get results every now and then. But when it comes to big games, Conte has been found very wanting in big games. I don't think they've won a big game under Conte yet. And just the City game. Or just City. You say just City. Um, That's that's a very good big game to win but this is a game that has massive ramifications because i'll set the table here for you spurs obviously trying to fight for top four desperately need top four to continue the the development not only of their club but also potentially of their relationship with conte i can't imagine him staying much longer if you know if the dysfunction continues so they need top four And then equally, they need to stop Arsenal winning the league. They can't afford to have Arsenal beat them at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or the Hot Toddy, as I like to call it. They can't afford for Arsenal to come to the Hot Toddy and beat them and then go on to win the league. That would, I think, be the ultimate humiliation for Tottenham. So the players will know that, certainly. The likes of Harry Kane will be telling the players as such. Um, for those that maybe aren't familiar with the derby. But then from the other side of things, Arsenal are just cruising at the moment. They can't do no wrong. Obviously, they had that that draw against Newcastle um, in their last Premier League game, but we saw them in the FA Cup. Maybe they struggled a little bit in the first half against Oxford, but once you know, once they decided to really kick it into fourth gear, um, it was it was curtains for Oxford, and you saw the fluidity of Arsenal. We saw the the finishing of Nketia, which I think will be important with Gabriel being out. Maybe that's what people thought would be the chink in Arsenal's armor: is Gabriel being injured, not having someone to replace him. Nketia stepped in five goals in five games for him, um, so he's doing well. Do Spurs have a chance in this game, guy? Because they they have to win this game or at least draw it. They can't let Arsenal come to their home ground and just stomp on them and, and, and embarrass them in that sense. They've definitely got a chance. They've got a really good team. Well, really good players, I should say, they're not team. <laughs> That's probably the issue. They don't, they're not a team. They have players. Um, it just, it, looking at um, the injury list, Spurs is 
a lot of question marks. Like Kulisevsky's 50-50, Basuma's 75%, but he's been awful for Spurs, probably shouldn't even start. Bentinker's a really big miss because he's the only one who seems to link midfield and attack or, or link the team together. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Richarlison 50-50, just for another option. But I think Conte has made some changes. He started trusting Brian Hill a bit more rather than um, mixing up the entire system. Um, started playing Doherty more rather than putting Emerson Royale back there. Um, if he gets people back, I think if Kulisevsky's there, and I, Gil uh, Hill, I should say, I'm not <laughs> putting my English slant things. If Kulisevsky's there, they can hurt that Arsenal backline. I know Arsenal have defended really well this year, but if you get Kulisevsky 1v1 with either Zinchenko or Tierney, it'd be fun. Um, Kane can get. Anyone sent off but Gabrielle? Very much send offable. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, a penalty wedding to happen, It is. Right? It really is, especially with England's Harry Kane kicking in at full gear. Um <laughs> Son, didn't, Son came back alive, didn't he, the other day? And he scored. I'm pretty sure he scored against Palace. Um I only have that one on the background. So I think there is. It's just Spurs you gotta limit the damage at the back. The defence is dreadful. Romero's side is dreadful, and even he's got an error in him. Uh, Eric Dyer's stanky. Langley's stanky. Uh, Davinson Sanchez, good lord. Um, who else have we got? Ben Davis is fine. Larice is done. He's finished. He's washed. Um, but at the same time, it's a derby. It's a derby, and Spurs have world-class players. They can win this. I think Arsenal are favourites. But I'm gonna go for I I love the North London Derby is the best derby in the country. Um, oh yeah, in this in England, um, the old firm's probably the best in the UK. Uh, I'm giving myself thinking time. Two all? No, no, I don't sit on the fence, guy. Three two. Spurs. Be a man of your convictions. You Three, were leaning two, Spurs. Yes, Tottenham Hotspur. Three two Spurs. Or in other circumstances, Mudrick scores his winner on his debut. <laughs> oh, pulls an Oshavin on this. Yes. Um, yeah, look, for me in this game, you mentioned it, the, the, the defence of Spurs. The unforced errors from Spurs' defence and Loris this season has just been criminal. If they can stop that, if they can force Arsenal to beat them opposed to Spurs beating themselves, I think they're in with a chance in this game. Ah, it's at home. Spurs cannot afford to lose this game. But I'm looking at their fixture list and they've got another game that we're going to speak about in two games time against Man City. I think this is maybe the game that doesn't suit them as much as the Man City one. You mentioned that they've turned them over in, in the past. I'm worried. I'm worried about Spurs. I, I'm. You know what? I'm going to go against you. In this one. I'm going to go 3-2 to, to Arsenal. We'll we'll go head to head on this one. You go three two Spurs. I'll go three two Arsenal. Guessing uh, Jordy can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the door's closed. Um, <laughs> let's quickly move on to the next game before she comes rushing in to to ask me what score I gave there. Um, Crystal Palace versus Man United. Obviously, the second game for these two teams in the week. 
as we we've mentioned with both teams, the, the the issues with Crystal Palace and then obviously the good run Man United on. Of the two fixtures, obviously Man United probably target this one as the the winnable one and then try and get whatever they can from that Man City game. I I worry about the 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 switch in intention should i rather say the switch in intention that man united will have to do in these two games because i'd imagine against man city they're going to allow man city to have as much of the ball as they want and try and break on them on the counter and then they have a quick turnaround against crystal palace side who's going to do the same thing to them give man united all of the ball and try and counter on them and i think that's those two game plans of the two man united prefer to be the team countering I think when teams are countering on Man United, they can be got at. So I'm going to give Palace a win in this one. The the Ooh. not informed Palace, I think they sneak this one. I'm Ooh. going to give Palace a 2-1 upset win, and their goals come on the counter attack. I like it because you predicted United to beat City, didn't you? I did. Yeah, so that makes sense. That's the most Man United thing ever, isn't it? Beat City, <laughs> and I yes, I like that. Whereas I'm in opposite land. I think United will bounce back. Um, it's weird with United because it feels like if Casemiro has a bad game, they'll probably just lose. But he's not really done that yet. So yeah, I'll I'll be boring. Two one United. Two one to United. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so we've both given them at least one win. Yeah. This week. Um. Which yeah, fair enough. If if you look at the fixtures that they had, we end off with Man City versus Spurs. Now, I think it just makes the week all the more miserable for Spurs if they're coming into this game having lost to Arsenal, as I've predicted, and then having to face Man City at the Etihad. But I do think that... And the the, the weird thing for Spurs, right, is this game suits them. I think they can get um, Man City on the counter-attack. I think Kane loves this fixture and is always in with goals. I think the Kane-Son combination is perfect for this fixture with um, how high those fullbacks go for Man City. My only worry is, can we trust Spurs' defence against Holland? I, I cannot confidently no. say that. <laughs> I cannot confidently trust a bouncing ball where Dyer's about to head it and Haaland's running full speed at him. I can't trust Dyer to not do something really silly in that situation. That's the only thing that's holding me back for a Spurs win in this one. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. I would have given it a 2-1 win to Spurs if I was slightly more confident in their defense not to screw the game up for for them. But I just can't. I just cannot trust them to to hold on long enough to, to allow Spurs to then go and win this game. But Guy, end us off in this game week with your prediction for Man City versus Spurs. 4-2 Man City. Oh! Wow. Eric Dyer against Erling Haaland. It's not pretty. It's no. not pretty. And then even if, move to the left. It might even be Langley back there. It's bleh. And who the hell's marking? On the left-hand side, Perisic against Kevin De Bruyne in that area of the pitch. I know the midfielder will pop over and help. No. No. De Bruyne will have his way. If he was a... Foden versus Doherty or Emerson Royale. Yeah, it's not fun, is it? But mm. he's being weird, isn't he? He's not playing Walker. He's not playing Foden. 
if he's playing Grealish and the lads, maybe Spurs do have a chance. But if you think a bit logically, and he plays Ford and De Bruyne, Parland, whoever on the right hand side, yeah, it should be City. But if he's gonna I swore again there. If he's mucking about with the team and playing Grealish just to spite Foden for whatever weird reason Twitter can make up, yeah, there's a chance for Spurs because, as we said with the Arsenal game, there's goals there. But that defence is so bad. So bad. Um, yeah, there's, there'll be goals in that. But as you said, um, the front three of Spurs can hurt anyone. Um and if Richarlison's back, he will be turned up to 11. <laughs> Jesus. The state of that. No, but I'll see the logic, see. you got to back City in that game. The defence is terrible. Excellent. Four to there to end off the podcast. Guy, that is going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Uh, what am I going to be on? Um, I will be doing this with Dave on Friday, I presume, but I will be doing your role. Um, over on AI, Jan Molby's back, which I'm going to record in exactly 10 minutes. Um, so if you are a Liverpool fan, not even, not even, Jan Molby does speak a lot of sense and he's joined by Trev Downey, who has a brilliant voice. So even if you're neutral, might be something to just, whilst walking the dog or whatever. Um, but, 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 yeah, just go check out my, go check out AI. Nobody needs to follow me on Twitter. It's just me whinging about Liverpool being terrible at the minute. Um, but hey ho, it might improve. It probably won't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, check out AI for, for stuff I usually in behind the scenes on. Excellent. Guys, from my end, go and check out all the content on the EPL Index website. Their match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for, especially during this transfer period. You guys can catch up on everything that you need to know, who's going where, who's interested in who, and all of that good stuff. Um, go and check out the daily podcast show. It's a two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. Um, finally, also go check out the flagship show, that runs weekly. It's the EPL roundtable where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do review reviews and previews of the happenings around the EPL. Last week's episode, I was on it. Uh, it was really good fun. Myself and Kev basically just commiserated on Tottenham and Liverpool's woes at the moment. We also discussed our football moments of 2022. Um, I, I think my general football um, moment was the Lionesses winning the Euros and then if you want my Liverpool football moment of 2022 go check out that podcast really interesting one I thought um, and then also guys go and like the page the EPL index go follow it on Twitter at EPL index go follow this show's Twitter page at a tad predictable um, Subscribe to the EPL podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars, write positive comments. That stuff really does help us out. I've been Tadio Chanakira. You can find me on the Twitter handle at Tad Predicts. A huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass and in front of the mic, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. Um, are you the sports director of a tad predictable. Who's making these signings? What What's going on here? I am Todd Bowley. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so look out for a new signing, a new guest coming Every on day. To the show <laughs> soon. <laughs> I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that. But we made some signings in the summer. Uh, we've made one in January that we're excited about, and she should be on a show s- shortly uh, in due course. And remember, Jacinda Perry, Gino Shura. Podcast Network.